What's good, everybody, and welcome to an episode of the Amitalika Tales podcast. Your host, yours truly, Jai Shields, here on this Friday of August the 26th, the year 2022. Lots to do, lots to talk about uh, here on this uh, weekend program as we, as the month of August comes to a close in September, right around the corner. When there's September, there's Labor Day, and then when there's after Labor Day, there's pennant chase regular season baseball during the week and uh, NFL football and college football. Not preseason, uh, not any of no no joint practice nonsense. It is a regular season college and NFL football during you know on a Saturday. Saturday and Sunday and your local uh, high school game on uh, fr- on Friday night and then of course Monday through Friday with a Monday night and a Thursday night football game mixed in during the week it is Pettit Chase postseason baseball yes sir with my Baltimore Orioles who I will get to a little bit later on in the program I'll get to them I will t- I will get to the New York Mets I will touch on the New York and talk about the New York Yankees I will uh, I understand late to the party but Vince Scully Bill Russell and Dawson have all passed away in between the in between the last time that you that uh, you and I uh, converse we will uh, memorialize them Serena announcing her retirement prior to the US Open, which will begin, uh, which will begin at the beginning of next week, we'll touch into that. Kevin Durant stays put. He, he, and Josiah and Sean Marks and, and uh, Steve Nash. The, the uh, logic has preve- has uh, prevailed, and cooler heads have prevailed. So Kevin Durant's not going anywhere. He will still be a member of the Brooklyn Nets by the time they open up camp, and uh, by the time they open up camp in about a few weeks, and uh, by the time the uh, NBA regular season begins in uh, mid October, and also Big Ten football is headed elsewhere with in the likes of Fox, CBS, and NBC. I'll get into that a little bit later on in the program. Yours truly, you know, what am I going to say? Busy as hell with busy as hell with school, stressed as hell with school, with uh, with work, trying to find intern, trying to find uh, fall internships to keep yours truly occupied as he's getting himself settled into another year at a <clears throat> Morgan State University. Uh, so, which is the which explains why you you haven't heard yours truly quite often, essentially all summer since the NBA Finals. Uh, ended. You guys know that I love doing these shows, but you know when I don't want to. A, I don't want to uh, half-ass the show for you and, and give you guys a substandard product. That's the first thing. Second thing is if I don't have time, I don't have time. And then the third, and then the third thing is, you know, you know, yours truly has got to, you know, just dealing with a lot of stuff uh, behind the scenes. So not that, not that I'm saying that so you guys should have pity for me, but. In my life at this point in time, at 20 years old during the summertime, it was it was one of the more busiest summers I've ever uh, had in my life, for better or for worse, and uh, which explains why you haven't gotten a whole lot out of me, essentially since uh, early July up until this point. With September coming around the corner, yours truly will be focused. Yours truly will be disciplined. Yours truly will be chopping at the bit to talk about uh, the we'll talk about the NFL season, the college football season, of course the penetrates and Major League Baseball with my Orioles still in the thick of things in the American League, along with the Mariners, along with the uh, the Guardians, the Blue Jays, 
and the Tampa Bay Rays for the wild card spot in the American League. Astros, the Yankees fighting back and forth uh, for the uh, for the number one seed in the American League. The uh, at the uh, the Guardians and the Twins fighting each other tooth and nail to see who's going to win the American League Central. And of course, you have in the East with the Mets and the Braves fighting each other uh, for the for supremacy and the National League. And then that in the uh, in the National League East, so we have so baseball should so it should be a lot of baseball to be talked about in the month of September compared to previous years, in large part because Joe Shuley's baseball team is going to is going to at least head into September first, playing some meaningful games. And quite frankly, after the last few seasons that my Orioles have had, they collapsed in August and September of 2017. They were abysmal in 2018, unwatchable in 2019. 2020 they were somewhat decent but that was but that was at the at the end of the 60 game schedule and then last year you know i i had stopped watching world games for a full month around this time last year so we will definitely it will be a football and a baseball heavy show uh from uh, from now till Say the first week of November when the World Series wraps up, it will be a it will be a football and baseball uh, dominant uh, show. So be prepared uh, if you're looking for me to break down the uh, opening night games in the NBA. A I could a I could care less, and B you know you know I will give my predictions. Uh, and if anything happens, a la say a fight between the uh, Lakers and the Pistons, like we saw last November, I will give you my two cents on it. But don't expect yours truly get down into the nitty gritty of the NBA season until uh, until there until I I put it to you like this: where my desk is set up in this little studio slash bedroom that I do my show in. Uh, I'm my desk is facing towards the window overlooking my backyard and back patio. The time that you guys should expect me to break down NBA basketball and, and basketball in general, as far as the play on the floor, there will be no tree. There will be no green leaves on the trees by the time that happens. By the time that happens, the the patio furniture will be locked and stored away for the winter, and uh, it'll be about uh, 15 degrees with six feet of snow with uh, six inches of snow outside. So by the time you'll surely be breaking down NBA regular season basketball, it will be a right, it will, it will be after Thanksgiving. I will give you my predictions, and if anything really note newsworthy happens, I will be on top of it. But uh, but I can the NBA. It's hard for me to get into uh, really until the holiday season. And the month of October with playoff baseball, and that then, and I'm not even talking about the Orioles being good. Has nothing to do with it. But the Orioles being good, that just assures you that yours truly will not be that that the NBA games he'll be watching the month of October will be. And I, when I say few and far in between, I mean very few and far in between. Uh, which which goes to the issue of why I wish of why the NBA. Uh, why the NBA? And I might as well get this off my chest. So going a little tangent here, uh, which which go, which goes to the point of why the NBA having their season start in mid October makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Um, for for quite a few reasons. For one, for one, for one October, a two two month two sports rule the month of October. At least in my lifetime, as a <coughs> excuse me. As a lifelong sports fan, only two sports rule the roost in the month of October. That's football 
because we're in the because we're in the the because we're in the second month of the season. Season's still fairly fresh, fairly young, and second is playoff baseball. That's it. The only thing, and, and listen, and it's not that I have anything against the NBA or basketball. When it's springtime, when it's April, when it's April, May, and June, I have the same thing. April, May, and June, those three spring months, and June, half spring, half summer, those three spring months, well, well, April with the draft, so we'll leave April alone. May and June, outside of the NFL schedule release, I, I when do you guys hear me talk about NFL football? Unless, unless it's something big happening in the news. In May and June. May and June, it's all May and June, it's all about playoff basketball or hockey, if that's your forte. Baseball. That's it. Yours truly in May and June, it's baseball, basketball. That that uh, that 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 that's the that should be the primary focus of conversation. In October, September, October, same deal. It's baseball and it's football. November, December, November through February, basketball and football, and so on and so forth. But it makes no sense to me why. And I, I listen. They, they they are probably more closer to doing it than we probably re, than we probably realize. But I think, but I think, uh, but I think, in my honest, and I'll get into the Aaron Donald Cincinnati Bengals fight. Also, I got a lot of things to say about that. Uh, but I just think that the NBA needs to, and you, well, a lot of issues with load management and players taking off and players not. But I think what the NBA ought to do. Cut the season down from 82 games, 82 games to 62 games. 82 games, 62 games. That's rough. That's 20 games. That's 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 essentially a month worth of game. That's a that's a, roughly a month worth of games, and don't start the season until that day, until that week of November 18th, November 20th. I think it will serve the NBA a greater service if they start their regular season. NHL too would start. It would be a better off for their sport for them to start their season a month later. NBA NHL needs all the money that they can get, so they would never. So they would never do this. But I'm speaking as with the NBA because I'm a because I'm an NBA because I'm an NBA fan. I'm a basketball guy. They'd be better off cutting off 20 games out of the schedule to give their players less inclined opportunities for them to take to take night to take frequent nights off, and, and with the and and the lessen the load management stuff. And if you do that, you roughly cut a month out. You you get rid of the month of October, and you start mid-November, about a week or so before Thanksgiving. And you, ha- and you essentially, where in the month of November, through the through from November to February, if not, well, maybe well, not really, well, really, realistically speaking, from November to April, you have you you rule the roost when it comes to the when it comes to the to the weekday sports. NFL's got, still got the NFL still got the weekends uh still got the weekends up until the Super Bowl 
but from but from from mid November to to the last week in March, you guys are the spotlight sport that the majority of America cares about. During, so gives them something to watch weekday nights at weekday nights out of the uh, out of the calendar year. Because let's be honest, the NF and the NBA would probably never admit it, but they do themselves absolutely no favor starting their season in the thick of the MLB postseason. And when the NFL is hot and heavy and just starting to get their sea legs under them as far as the momentum, as far as the momentum of the new season, they do themselves no favors. Let me let me let me give you guys a perfect thing. Let me get and I'll get to the Sean Watson and Fernando Tatis here in a minute. But um, I give you guys a perfect example, okay? I give you guys a perfect example. What are you going to watch? Just to give you an example. What games are you going to watch in October? Let me see if I can pull it up here because it's being difficult. Okay, I give you a, perf- I give you a perfect example. Tuesday, October 18th, you got two games on TNT. 76ers, Celtics, Lakers, and Warriors. Let me ask you a question. If you are a Philly fan, okay? If you're a if you're a Phillies fan, a Philly sports fan likes the 76ers and the Philadelphia Phillies. Are you going to be more inclined to watching are you going to be more inclined to watching the Phillies play in a postseason series against Let's say for the sake of conversation, they make it to the NLCS. If you're a Philly fan, are you going to be more inclined to watch Game 1 of 82, Celtics and 76ers? Or are you going to be more inclined to watching, just for the sake of conversation here, Phillies and Dodgers Game 1 of the NLCS? Most likely on FS1, but still. Once for, game one of the National League pennant compared to game one of a tedious 82-game six-month schedule. Let me give you an. Let me give you another. Let me give you another example. Okay, you don't want that one. Let me see if I can give you one. Uh, let me see if I can give you one later on. Uh, let me see if I can give you later on some. Let me see if I can give you a schedule. Uh, later on this that same week, okay. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Because I know that the NBA has the has the Knicks playing on ESPN one of those days, and the city of New York is going to temporarily not give a damn about New York basketball, especially in month of October where you have the Yankees and the Mets that will have the New York sports spotlight. From you know Monday through Friday, barring a uh, you know barring a, uh, a a Thursday night or Monday night. Let me let me just go down here. October. October of uh, 
what is this? Let's do the, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Let's see, let's see. Okay, Wednesday, now, okay, that's, well, that's not, okay, perfect. Wednesday, 7.30, ESPN. You gonna watch Knicks and Grizzlies, or are you going to watch Game 1, Astros-Yankees, ALCS? Are you going to, on the 20th, are you going to watch... Bucks and 76ers, or are you going to watch, going to the NFL schedule now, or are you going to watch, Saints and the Cardinals, on Amazon Prime Video, are you going to watch, Clippers and Lakers, for the 9,000th time, or are you going to watch, Game two of the ALCS between the Yankees and the Astros. What's the point I'm trying to make here? The NBA, and I'm being upfront and totally honest with y'all, the NBA's TV ratings nationally are in the toilet. And their ratings through the first month of the new season are embarrassing. To say the least. So the NBA. Who granted gets talked about. Constantly. On ESPN. And on the FS1 shows. But. Those two networks. Would have you think that the NBA. TV ratings wise. Not. So, not talked about. on Not, not uh, social media engagement. Not likes, not most viewed posts. Social media and TV ratings are two different things. NBA, NBA, NFL, NFL is one. NBA is two. When it comes to what, what as far as uh, the 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 the, the uh, what what hits the nerve, what what hits the spot for the younger sports fan. At least by the likes of social media, but when it comes to actual the actual TV ratings, it's not even close. Not to say that any sport is close, but the a but the but the but the NFL is up here, and the NBA is along the lines of Major League Baseball. And Major League Baseball rarely, if ever, gets talked about on on uh, on uh, on cable sports outside of the uh, on uh, on the cable sports channels outside of MLB Network and MLB Whip Around on FS1 at 11 o'clock at night yet their ratings are are essentially one and the same and what's my point here's my point the NBA will be better off bad enough that the stars don't that their stars don't play to begin with anyways it's a long tedious regular season people get into it in month of october as as the you know at when as the nfl starts reaching their home stretch on the holiday season it go it goes it goes behind the clouds and then and then all throughout the NFL playoffs in January up until Super Bowl it's in the clouds. Then it comes out of the clouds that 
three that three four week period in between Super Bowl and Selection Sunday, the NBA the NBA is 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 the is the sugar honey iced tea, and then comes Selection Sunday. God forbid we watch the NBA basketball game. It's all about college football to the Final Four, and then the NBA comes comes out of the clouds again and essentially stays there from from the. From the Tuesday or Wednesday after the national championship game, and stays there to and stays there up until the NBA Finals. So it's in and out of the it's in and out of the clouds a lot, but it is in the clouds for a long time during the football season. And I think, in my honest, humble opinion, that 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 doesn't do the NBA any favors. Where yeah, the hype of the new season is there. But about a day or so, a weekend blooms off the rose, and it's uh, and it's and it's NFL football and college twenty four seven. Oh, by the way, throw in a World Series game, and if there's a postseason game that everybody latches their mouth onto, uh, you you get you got you got you got that to uh, to take your attention as well. The NBA does themselves no favors. They ne- and and in this day and age of of uh, of sports fan back in the day nineties a a little different, but in this day and age where the NFL reigns supreme, they do themselves no favor starting their season. Now they can't avoid the NFL season per se, but they can afford but they can avoid baseball because. Not to say that baseball is bigger than, bigger than the NBA per se, because it isn't. But playoff baseball and a lot of the markets where there are also NBA teams, New York, Philadelphia, if they make it, Atlanta, Houston, uh, Los Angeles to a certain not Los Angeles is kind of fifty fifty, but but again the but the Dodgers are the, and though and those markets. Playoff baseball is going to mean more to those cities, whether it's the Astros, the Yankees, the Mets, the Phillies. The though though their teams playing in the playoffs will be will mean more in those series during throughout the week and a month in 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 mid in mid October than a than game five of eighty two of a, in a in a six month long season. So if I'm the NBA, I I swallow my pride, bite the bullet, throw the players a bone, shorten the schedule up to 62 games, and start the season in mid-November, where at least again throughout the weekday you have you have the calendar all to yourself. Not that many people are going to watch are going to watch early regular season NBA basketball up against playoff baseball and a Thursday night and a Thursday night and Monday night game that we like. Thursday, Monday night football. We'll find it on Amazon Prime, and we'll and we'll go to Buck and Aikman on ESPN and ABC Monday night. And oh, by the way, postseason baseball had they got it all to them. They would have it all to themselves, theoretically speaking, on Monday, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday nights. October is way too, and people say, "Well, October is the greatest sports month of the year." Because you got football, you got playoff baseball, NBA. Yeah, that's great, but in all objectivity, basketball is down to to the serious sports fan. It, the 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 sport that's starting anew does not hold a candle 
to the league that's in it, that's in, that's playing that's playing its playoffs, that's playing their postseason, and then the sport that rules rules the NFL. Hockey and the NBA can't hold a candle to playoff baseball and regular season NFL football. The two, the one of the two greatest things in sports is playoff baseball and and the sport of football. Regardless, regular season playoffs, pick, take your pick. They can't hold a candle to those two as far as the intensity and the and the, and the, and the level and quality of play. So they do them both sports do themselves no favors. NBA especially do themselves no favors starting in mid October. They're better off biting the boy, waiting till the World Series ends and playoff baseball is out of the way and starting their season in mid November. They're, they're 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 better off doing that. They're better off doing it, especially in cities in in, in the cities like I mentioned. You know the Houston the Houston Rockets are unwatchable, folks. Houston Rockets are not going to be a very good basketball team. Spoiler alert: in 2022-2023, more Houstonians will be, will they'll grin and bear the they'll grin and bear Lovey Smith and their pathetic Texan squad on Sundays. But throughout the week, they will be chomping at the bit and packing Minute Maid Park, and the city will be buzzing with orange and blue for the for the Houston Astros in the month of October. Game one and game one and two in their building against the against the New York against the New York Yankees or against uh, you know the Seattle Manners if they if they make a surprise push. You know Houston will be more wrapped up in the Astros than they will be the Rockets come mid October. New York City will be more wrapped up on Jets Jets Giants on Sundays. And and uh, and Mets Yankees during the week trying to uh, trying to run into each other one more time for the Subway Series and the World Series. Both teams you can basically bet your bottom dollar will be competing in both champions and competing in both league championships. They'll be more wrapped up in that than they will be uh, the New York Knicks. You know, with uh, the you know the New York Knicks with uh, with you know with uh, with Julius Randle and that ragamuffin bunch. Ham and egg in their way to win what? Uh, to win four, to win uh, fifty games. I mean, no thank you. And the Nets, forget about it. Even with Kevin Durant there, the, 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 the we and everybody knows the, the Nets are up there nationally, but within New York City, they are not a patch on the Yankees and the Mets' ass, especially if they're both playing in, in playing playoff baseball at the same time. The, the 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 Nets the Nets might as well not even sell tickets at the Barclays Center, cause no, cause no serious New York sports fan is is, is going to be given a they don't a a when the when, if the if the Knicks go O in eighty two they still they still are more a part of the New York City basketball fabric than the Nets are, the Knicks can go O in eighty two in a season. And they still would not be a bigger deal than the Knicks in New York. So they're not bigger than their crosstown, in-city rival in Manhattan in the Knicks. And the Jets and Giants is Jets and Giants. And the Yankees and the Mets, there's nothing There's nothing bigger in the sport of New York than, 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 the, than the sport of baseball. Especially those two franchises. The Yankees are the Yankees, and the Mets have a huge following in New York. Just as big, if not 
maybe even be blasphemous to say even more than than the Yankees do, because it's a historically National League town. Albeit the Yankees' success and being around all these years in the 27 championships and the Steinbrenners and Jeter and, and Mariano and everybody else. So the NBA would do themselves a, would do themselves a, a favor starting the season later. That's just my honest opinion. Now, with the Sean Watson, with the 11-game suspension. The issue that I have with that is that is that that the Roger Goodell should have took it upon himself, okay? Not not sitting up here trying to play peacemaker. Not sitting up here and trying to be, uh, what's the word? I'm like, uh, diplomatic. Uh, no, no, no. Raj, who who many a times has not been, has not been afraid to 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 flex his power muscle and to lay down the hammer at the at at the appropriate time and sometimes the inappropriate time. Roger Goodell should have took it upon himself. Now left it up to to an to a independent arbitrator or doing no. Roger Goodell, Commissioner National Football League, should have took it upon himself, put his big boy pants on and say, look, Deshaun Watson, we cannot let this slide. 60-something women in the New York Times report, uh, lawsuits all over the place. Some women, although the case got thrown out of court and, 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 it, could, and it couldn't go any further because they couldn't find enough evidence, they had a, they had a, quite a few women trying to put Deshaun Watson in jail for this. Not to mention civil lawsuits with, with, a, with a rap sheet as long as Al Capone, with with sexual miscon with sexual misconduct and sexual assault with these massage therapists. He's a quarterback in the National Football League, a part of the quote unquote brand shield of the NFL. He should have been put in his place, and he should have been suspended the entire 2022 NFL season. Nothing more, nothing less. Not Goodell sit here and try to be fair and diplomatic for a change and leave it up to somebody else's decision. Nonsense. Okay, the, the, the Goodell has flexed his muscle and has and has and has shown the NFL, the felt, the the rest of the National Football League and the NFL players who's boss many a times. Do we have to go to the Flategate? Do we have to go with? Uh, do we have to go with Ezekiel Elliott? Do we have to go Ray Rice? Uh, you name it. He's done it in the past, so it's like that. Roger Goodell now all of a sudden is gun shy of 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 of, show, of showing the players who's boss here. Instead of uh, passing the buck and passing the baton, so so that person gets to make the decision. If they get it wrong in the public eyes, they get killed. Nonsense, Goodell. Big boy pants on, and he should have sat Watson down for an entire season this year. Why the fact that he got suspended only eleven games? I have absolutely uh, up from some from six to eleven. Oh boy, you added five games. Congratulations, National Football League. I mean, you got to be freaking kidding me. I got I got women crying. Interviewed Brian Gumble on 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 Real Sports on HBO. I got to read all this stuff in Sports Illustrated and New York Times with sixty six women and. The, and the lawsuits just all over the place, and the women popping up out of the woodwork all over the place. Got the Houston Texans as that disgusting franchise involved, setting up with these appointments for Deshaun to go crazy and act like and act like a horny person to these women. I mean, come on, eleven games, eleven games. Again, when you suspended Calvin Ridley an entire year for gambling, and you guys are in bed. With the fan duels, the Caesar Sports Books, and the DraftKings of the world. In bed with them. You sat Calvin Ridley a full season. 
He didn't hurt anybody. Did he break a rule? Yes, but he didn't hurt anybody. He didn't cause anybody harm or shame outside of maybe himself. But you'd have to ask Calvin Ridley that. He, 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 it's, it's, it's a victimless crime. Quote, unquote, crime. It's a, vic, it's a victimless transgression with what Calvin Ridley did. You got women who are physically and emotionally damaged and probably will be for quite some time as a result of this. And instead of Goodell having some leadership and showing some cojones, he passed the buck to somebody else so he doesn't have to take the eat so he can wipe his hands clean. Garbage. Weak. Weak. Watson should have, should have been suspended the entire 2022 season. No if, ands, or buts about it. Oh, and did you see who's his first game back? The Houston Texans. You kidding me? Are you kidding me? What a disgrace. An absolute disgrace. Fernando Tatis Jr., speaking of disgrace, got hit across the hand, 80-game suspension, use of PEDs. And I got his agent putting up statements with the ringworm. Yeah, Fernando Tatis Jr., this, he's, now listen, he's young, couple, he's what, 23 years of age, he's only about, he's at least three years older than yours truly. So I'm not going to sit here and condemn him, you know, come from the standpoint of a, of a 40-something, 50-something, 60, 70-something year old man. I'm not going to do that. But what I will say is you're Fernando Tatis. You, you, got, you, got to, you got to walk in what you are. You, you, got, you got to walk in the promise that is upon your life. You got to walk on the anointing. You got to walk. I sound like a pastor here, but I'm trying to make a point. You got to walk into the walk into the anointing that has been obviously put on your life with the with the attention that you get nationally, with the as as a big time as one against big time superstars in the sport of baseball, you're getting paid ad infinitum millions of dollars over three hundred three hundred million up for the San Diego Padres. You are the face of the franchise and one of their and at least supposed to be one of their focal points in trying to live the San Diego Padres their first ever World Series championship. Bad enough that he went out there and and, and I thought. I thought, and if and if they didn't have it, shame on the Padres. But if they did have it and he broke it, shame on Fernando Tatis. Even more, we even discussed this back in March when it happened, with him riding a motorcycle and breaking his wrist. Okay, teams have clauses in the contract where you can't do the regular, quote unquote, dangerous. Things like roller coasters and riding motorcycles and dirt bikes and and four wheel. You can't do that when you're a professional athlete, because then they can't because they can't sit up there and say, "Hey, we'll pay, we'll we're paying you to be a baseball player, and we understand that if you get hurt playing the game, that's one thing. We'll still pay you, but then having the franchise expect you know to 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 not only pay you while you're injured, but also to take care of you medically for doing something that for 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 for, ha- for having an injury 
in the act of doing something away from your job, which is what they're paying you to do. So the Padres not only have to pay for Anton Diaz Jr., they also got to treat him medically as if as if he broke his wrist, you know, taking a 101-mile-an-hour fastball to his hand. For for doing something that 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 the not the average Joe's per se, but the regular people who aren't Fernando Tatis Jr. who aren't making the money that he's making that don't have the job that being a shortstop in Major League Baseball uh, comes with, they they can do that sort of stuff. You know, if you're not getting paid three hundred million dollars over a sum of a decade plus to play baseball, you can you you know you can ride a motorcycle. And if you and if you break your wrist or break an arm or whatever, all right, it's bad, but you get up, you move on with your life. Pre- professional athlete, totally different story. A, you, you, a, a, God forbid, you God forbid you could be killed. B, it's a huge distraction to to the team. And C, it's just not using common sense. Logic and it's it's just not the right thing to do. It's totally and again, this is not news, you guys. I discussed this when it happened at the time, but it's just completely irresponsible. So, so, and then on top of it, and then on top of it, because he knew he got caught with his hand in the cookie jar, he he didn't he he wasn't uh, I don't want to say mature enough, but he wasn't responsible enough. And this and that sequence as well to 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 go to the pirates or the pirates the Padres and own up and own up to his mistake, and then he gets caught and then he with the with the, with the PEDs because of quote unquote ringworm. I mean it's twenty twenty two. If you don't know at this point as major league baseball players what's a steroid and what's not a steroid, what are we doing here? And as a result, got drug tested, got slapped on the wrist eighty games. By the, by the league office. So not only were we most probably not going to see Fernando Tatis this season, we're not going to see him for the first half of next season or whatever half or whatever portion of the season is left when his wrist is fully healed and he is and he gets a clean bill of health ready to play uh, baseball games at the major league level again. Which all depends on which all depends on his rehab process and how fast he's able to recoup uh, from from the injury. So let's say he's rare. So let's say he's raring to go in a perfect world. He's raring to go by opening day. We won't see Fernando Tatis till mid July. Let's say that his wrist isn't fully healed a month into the season in April. We won't see him till around this time next year then. Little, uh, well, early August to be more exact, but you get the idea. Just completely dumb, completely, just, it was the stupidity, immaturity, and a total lack of logic, common sense, and self-awareness from, from Fernando Tatis. From the age, from the age of releasing a statement to, to him riding a motorcycle, not being upfront and honest about it, and then, and then this huge mess with, with the PEDs. Blaming it on a on 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 a ringworm that he had. I mean, really, really, and that is a huge. That's just not a big. 
That is a huge blow to the San Diego Padres. Huge blow. And if they don't, if they crash and burn, now let me, well, I, well let me preference before I go out there and make a prediction and, and make a big time statement. Let's just see where they are here in the, uh, in the standings. They are currently, uh, they are currently in, they have the third wild card spot by a game and a half of Milwaukee. If they somehow, and they've lost two games in a row back to back, uh, got shut out by Cleveland uh, on Thursday night. If they somehow, some way, somehow, some way, or not Thursday night, what day was that? Wednesday, not Thursday, Wednesday. If they collapse like they did last year, all I got to say is, I'd hate to be Fernando Tatis if that's the case. It, another issue with the Padres, too, and I'll get to the Aaron Donald Bengals fight here in a minute. Another problem with the Padres, too, where is the general source of leadership on that baseball team? Hosmer obviously didn't show it, and he was the de facto veteran leader. He was the uh, veteran leader on that team by default until he got shipped to the Red Sox. But where is, but where even with him on the team, where's the veteran leadership? I got Fernando Tatis breaking wrists, getting caught with his hand in Cookie Joe with steroids. Last year, he and Machado getting into a pissing match in a dugout. Machado having his episodes where he, where he doesn't hustle. I mean, where's the veteran leadership on that baseball team? They got Bob Melvin sitting there in the manager now, but I'm not talking about I'm not necessarily talking about the manager. I'm talking about a player within the locker room. Where is that player on that San Diego Padres roster that's going to step up to the plate, no pun intended, and put his big boy pants on and get in some of these young guys' his grits and say, no, no, this is not how you do things. This is not how we're going to go if we expect to have this result at the end of the season. If we expect to win a championship, we expect to compete for a championship, playing in the, N in the NLCS, playing in a World Series, winning the World we cannot have these things. Where is that individual within the locker room? Because in this little short era of the Tatis Machado, I have not seen that. You didn't. You, you, I I have not seen that. I haven't seen it. And some, either somebody within or they need to go get somebody that, that has that in them. And don't let it be Mike Cleffinger chastising Randall Tatis and he was running around bar hopping two, two summers ago, two years ago, getting everybody sick on the Indian squad, farting around with, and lying with the COVID, with COVID, and not wearing a mask and everything. So it can't be him either. Just getting started, I give you my two cents on this Aaron Donald Bengals fight. The Amatel I can tell you this podcast will continue.
Welcome back to the Yamatelica TIS podcast. Switching gears now to the National Football League. I tell you, uh, and in case you didn't see it, when I saw this, uh, you know, you, you know, if you know me at all from the years I've been doing this show, you know that I was chomping at the bit to say something uh, regarding this fight that took place on Thursday afternoon regarding the uh, Los Angeles Rams and my since and my Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, and you saw footage of um, <clears throat> of uh, Aaron Donald with two Bengals helmets in his hand swinging. And actually, if you can hear it by the uh, by the by the audio clip on Twitter, you, you can actually hear him making contact with uh, with one of the with one of the Bengals players' heads. Uh, unfortunately, uh, throughout that throughout that entire fracas and that entire uh, entire melee, and how you know, and it was chippy. There was a lot of pushing and shoving going on, uh, which you figured. And I and I get to my thoughts on the fight and who's to blame uh, in a minute. And and I also, of course, you bet you bet your ass. I'll say something about Aaron Donald here uh, in just a second. Um, so and from what I can uh, and from what I can understand. From what I can understand, uh, that it that it kind of got started because it was he, I believe it was he and Lyle Collins, the Bengals left tackle, going up against each other, and there was a lot of little extra extra shoving and a lot of extra you know aggression after the whistle. Lyle Collins didn't take any of AD's crap. This is from what I gather from what from my understanding. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, it became a one-on-one thing and then, you know, started grabbing each other's helmets, people's helmets ripping off and then it becomes a whole team versus team thing. Uh, first off, let me give you my thoughts on Aaron Donald and I gave you my thoughts on the fight and, and, and the, and the atmosphere and everything else. The bottom line is, and I know that the chances of it happening are slim to none. I understand all that. I'm aware of that. I get that. But the fact that Aaron Donald will not be, it's all signs look like, and anything could happen, you never know, but the, but the fact that there's a 90 to 95% chance that, that Aaron Donald will not be suspended or not receive any discipline from the National Football League on this, on this melee, on this fracas, is an absolute utter disgrace. Okay, and I do not want to hear. I don't want to hear from an NFL player. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear from any from any fan. No Ram fan. No Aaron Donald apologist. No media member. I don't want to hear from anybody. Okay, when Miles Garrett did the same thing with one helmet in his hand, not two on each hands, with one, and it was kind of like a one-on-one type of thing. Not a not not a not a group, not a group cluster melee like we saw on Thursday, when Miles Garrett did the same thing in November of 2019. So this is what this is two going on three seasons slash years ago. When May when it was caught live on national television on Thursday night football on the Fox and NFL network airwaves of Mace of Miles Garrett bashing Mason Rudolph upside the head with the helmet people had Miles Garrett out to be 
Lee Harvey Oswald. They had him out to be Jeffrey Dahmer. They had Miles Garrett out to be a mentally sick serial killer that should have served 10 to 25 years in the federal penitentiary. I am not excusing what Miles Garrett did. There's no way in hell am I saying that what he did on that night in November against the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mason Rudolph was right, was justified, nor am I condoning it. But when you had people on television, on radio, on social media making Miles Garrett out to, out to be a bad guy like he was the one that was sexually assaulting women a la his teammate Deshaun Watson... When people made him out to be a, a, a felon for knocking Mason Rope upside the head with the helmet, and yet all of a sudden it's the, well, it's Aaron Donald, well, it's practice, the teams uh, police themselves, the NFL doesn't stick their beak, and, 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 and things that happen in practice, nonsense, hogwash, bullcrap, baloney. Okay, what I saw, ladies, I don't know about you, but ladies and gentlemen, from what I saw on Thursday afternoon was the same thing I saw Miles Garrett do to Mason Rudolph in November 2019. It's the same thing. Gets upset. A skirmish happens. A fight happens. Uh, emotions, um, emotion, uh, tempers flare. Emotions run high. Some, somehow somebody's helmet gets knocked off the head. It gets picked up. It gets swung and used as the weapon. So the idea that it's just another that it's just another run-of-the-mill joint practice NFL training camp fight is 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 is, is hogwash. This is not just another one. Now I understand it is probably those situations where helmets have 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 come off and and they've been used as well. I'm not saying that it's the first time it's ever happened. That's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that it's just not a, it's not just not one of your run of the mill fights where it's okay you record okay who threw punches this that and the other you know cooler heads will prevail. Not that big of a deal. How you doing? Keep it moving. Both teams go their separate ways, and then I'll be and that'll be the end of the conversation. No, that that no. All right. Suppose the say and hey, people were appalled. I remember it wasn't that long ago. It was 2019. People were appalled. You can go find the tweets. You can go find the Instagram posts. You can go find the TV clips. People were appalled. Seeing seeing Miles Garrett use a football helmet as a weapon to try to seriously injure Mason Rudolph. What is the difference between what Garrett did and what Aaron Donald did? Because to me, and I want to hear the crap. Well, Jai, you're a Bengals fan. You're biased. Yeah, nonsense. He could have pulled this crap against the San Francisco 49ers. I'd still be sitting up here kicking and screaming. There's no difference. Outside of the environment and the venue of, of, of in which both altercations occurred in. So you mean to tell me that one incident should be treated one way because it happened in this certain setting. 
And because the other one happening in a in a totally different setting, that 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 option B shouldn't get, and that that player B shouldn't get the same punishment as player A because it was in a different because it was in a different environment, in which the same transgression occurred. Does that make any lick of sense to you? So let me get this straight. Someone who robbed the bank at robbed a, a bank while it's closed gets gets caught gets the same jail time. Yet the person who robbed the bank in the daytime when it was open so they didn't what so so the person that robs the bank in the daytime shouldn't get the same uh, shouldn't get the same penalty as someone that that robbed the bank at nighttime when it was closed. Because of the fact it was in a daylight, everybody could see it, and 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 the and compared to the person that robbed the bank at night, where nobody could see it, they both robbed the bank, they both stole, but yet one person's punishment should be opposite from the other, because of the setting and circumstances. The wind was blowing at this certain direction at this certain time of the day. The sun was shining at this moment in time. The moon apex was that far away. From from the North Pole, uh, from the North Pole on Earth, bullcrap. It's the same freaking transgression. It's the same wrong, heinous action. Two different players, two against two different teams, but it's still the same damn thing. One occurred on a national spotlight on Thursday night football, and the other occurred in a in a in a in a, in a training camp practice in August that that wasn't televised. That was lucky to be caught on camera. One punishment. No. No. I don't care if Aaron. I don't care. Who it happened in front of. I don't care if it was a preseason game. A regular season game. A playoff game. A Super Bowl. Training camp practice in November. August. January. June. July. April Fool's Day. I am not interested what day it happened, what 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 month of the calendar it happened, if it happened on television, on Fox, CBS, NBC, USA, uh, PBS, CBS, ESPN, TNT, True TV, Paramount Network. I am not interested in any of that. What I am interested in is that a football player that's as big as a freaking house. That has the that has that has the, the the strength of two semi trucks took two helmets and bashed a player upside the head with the helmet when 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 he's arguably and not even arguably the strongest player on the football field and he took a helmet used it as a weapon and knocked the player upside the head with it. That's what I do care about. Because it's all fun and games, and it's all just another run-of-the-mill training camp brouhaha, and just another run-of-the-mill joint practice gone wrong. Example 978. It's, it's just another statistic until one of these days somebody takes takes either their own helmet off or takes someone's helmet, knocks somebody up the head a certain way, and all of a sudden... They 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 drop on the ground motionless, and then all of a sudden you have an issue. When ambulance has got to be called, 
where where it's panic. They have to worry about uh, spinal spinal cord damage, nervous system damage. Whether or not if they got hurt, hit a certain way upside the head about about a level of concussion, internal bleeding in their head, a broken skull. Uh, whether or not they'll be able to walk again because they're paralyzed. What? Where we do we have to get to that point before we say enough's enough with this with this with this garbage? Because apparently, from what I because from what I've seen, basically, it, 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 we're we're going to be fine with it and turn it out to you look the other other way until a player's head is is literally bashed open on the middle of a football field, and we got a rush in the ambulance, EMS. Shock trauma, and then we hear word about a day or so later that player X has has severe brain damage. You'll never walk again, and has to immediately retire from the National Football League because they're going to be confined to a wheelchair for the rest of their life. Is that what it's going to take in order for us to, in, 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 in order for us to treat to treat to treat it the way it's supposed to be freaking treated? Think I give a damn about about the fact that it happened in training camp practice? I don't care if it happened in training camp practice or if it happened six months ago in the Super Bowl in front of a hundred million people on television. Wrong is wrong. Hitting a player upside the head with the helmet because you're pissed off getting into a pissing match and fighting on a football field is no excuse. Fighting is one thing. Using a piece of equipment that says heavy and then and 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 that says and that says hard as a football helmet, it's a totally different animal. People again, people made made Miles Garrett out to be a serial killer, weren't worthy enough to be thrown in jail for twenty five years for doing the same thing to Mason Rudolph. And a game on national television, and people made him out to be the baddest guy in the National Football League, better than the sexual assault, the sexual assault uh, defendants, the 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 domestic violence abusers. And the other ex-convicts that have played throughout the National Football League. We've, we, there was a time. I remember this. I don't know if any of you guys don't. But I am old enough to remember. Where people made Miles Garrett out to be essentially freaking Greg Hardy. For knocking Mace Rudolph upside the head with a helmet in a football fight. Keep that same energy with Aaron Donald. I don't care, I don't give a damn about Aaron Donald's prowess and his greatness as a defensive lineman in the National Football League to the likes of Lawrence Taylor. I could care freaking less. I don't care about his legacy. I don't care about his Hall of Fame statue. I don't care that he's Super Bowl champion. I don't care about him being on the field when the banner gets unveiled against Buffalo a week for, uh, about a week or so from Thursday. I could care freaking less. What I do care about is him using an opponent's helmet, two of them, one in each hand, as big and as strong of a and powerful as a man as he is, using two 
helmets in his hand and using them as weapons in a, in, in a, in a, in a, in a football fight. That is what I care about. Because, again, it's going to be all fun and games and all just not statistic. Wipe your hands clean, dirt off your shoulder until one of these days it's going to happen and somebody's going to get seriously freaking injured. And God forbid, knock on wood killed. Is that what it's going to take? Because they're saying, well, the NFL's not going to do anything because they police themselves in all practices. Uh, okay, fine. Let's say if let's say the player Aaron Donald makes contact with he, you know, he goes he goes his nervous system goes into shock and he falls down on his back and has to get rushed to the hospital and he and he's got and he's got damage to his to his to his head and the spinal cord. Then what? What you are you going to let Aaron Donald stand stand out there on the field when they are raising the banner and there's a player in the hospital can't walk. Where is the consistency on this? We'll let it go because thank God nobody got hurt. What if somebody did get hurt? Then, 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 then you call for a suspension. Why does it have to take for somebody to get seriously hurt in order for action and discipline to be handed out and to take place? Why does it have to get to that level? If you stop it first, you can prevent. Though, the, the, if you can stop it firsthand, you can avoid the worst coming out on the back end. You can stop a catastrophe before it has an opportunity to get that far. And if the NFL had any guts. And the chance of it happening is slim to none, probably none at this rate. If they had any guts, any, had any guts, any consistency, well, the same way that they made, again, Miles Garrett out to be Greg Hardy, and they made Vontez Burbick out to be a damn serial killer with his dirty play all those years. Yeah, if they had, if they had any guts and had any consistency, they would hand Aaron Donald a a a. a Four, I would settle, I would take a four to six game suspension and a hefty fine. Okay? Hefty fine. They 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 canned Brady a full year for deflating footballs. They canned Ridley a full season for betting on games when they're in bed with the gambling companies. Yet sexually assault women, or in Donald's case, not that he's going to face any uh, charges from from the Cincinnati Police Department, but assault a man with a helmet on a football field, you get a pass. Really? Really? The NFL has suspended many a player for doing less. Yet because it happened in the confines of practice, Nothing gets done. Be it if Aaron Down were, were were to have done this six months ago in the Super Bowl, or were to do it Saturday against the Bengals in a preseason game, it'd be a different story. You see where the where the logic and the common sense 
goes out the window. And, 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 and the glaring inconsistency of this. Simply say, well, we'll let the Rams handle. We'll let we'll let the Rams discipline themselves. Oh, 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 good. Yeah, yeah, that work. Yeah, Aaron Donald, the Rams in house will sit Aaron Donald a game, or we'll, or we'll, or we'll, or or will sit him the first four to six games in a new season. Yeah, that, that that's what they'll do. NFL on on a chance. Either you got two options: get rid of and can the joint practices, or two. Have it within your authority that if Andy's fights break out and somebody uses a helmet and goes Miles Garrett on somebody, that you have the right to review the footage, review the tape, count numbers, hand down hefty fines and suspensions. You, you got two choices, National Football League. Which one will you take? Because you can't continue to have these joint practices have players get into fights and then allowing and and basically have that gray area and that loophole where it's where it's fair game and everybody you know if I if I can take my cleat off and 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 and, and gouge your eyes out with 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 the cleat I'm allowed to do that because it's under the quote unquote umbrella of of a practice not in game scenario where it's up to the team discipline the player not the National Football League. Or if I or if I want to take my helmet and bash your head in and give you brain damage and crack your skull. Had any guts, they'd suspend his ass and fine him. Because the NFL too preoccupied with with the ratings and 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 the pop and the circumstance of that stupid asinine kickoff game and the pop and circumstances of an, of, of unveiling that that damn banner with the rams at sofi he'll be out there on the sideline and that is the joke and that's an absolute disgrace the nfl does not need Aaron Addison he's a star and he's one of the rare few defensive stars that the league has to offer because it's such an offensive and quarterback driven league. I understand that I get that, but come on. The the the, the NFL ratings will not plummet forty percent because Aaron Donald is sitting in a Southern California mansion sitting on his couch when they're unveiling the Super Bowl when they're unveiling the Super Bowl banner at SoFi Stadium. If Allen are playing, if Diggs is playing, if Stafford, Cooper Cup are playing, Von Miller, who was on the Rams championship team as well, who will get his rank two probably during that ceremony, the, the, the NFL will be fine. It'll be the first NFL game of consequence since, since Super Bowl. It's on NBC. Against the defending champion against everybody and their mother has crowned up to be the Super Bowl champion, even though they haven't even gotten past the AFC Championship game yet. The National Football League will be fine if Aaron Donald doesn't play in the game. Not in the NFL's mind, but that is the truth. My goodness. You know who I blame for this to happen? I understand that the National Foot that they have no say on a preseason schedule. The NFL does. The NFL makes a schedule preseason. So I understand all that. So I'm not blaming these two these two individuals on that. But I am blaming them on the joint practice. And the two people who I blame is McVeigh and Zach Taylor, the two head coaches. I understand that they're buddy buddy. I understand that they're tight. They're joined at the hip. 
there's 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 a brotherly love, a bromance, quote unquote, between the two of them. Because Taylor, of course, was on uh, was on McVay's staff, was the quarterback coach his final year there when the Rams got to the Super Bowl against New England in 2018. So I understand all that, but still, you had unless you are Sean McVay and Zach Taylor who had their heads so far up each other's own asses that they that they somehow swayed did not see this come. You had to be a complete and utter idiot to think that the Rams and the Bengals, who fought tooth and nail down to almost the final second, final few seconds, Super Bowl 56, six months, you had to be a complete idiot not to expect these two teams not to not get into a little bit of a dust-up and training camp practices in mid-July, excuse mid-July, in mid-August. You had to be a complete idiot and clueless buffoon to think otherwise. A complete idiot and buffoon. As Richard Sherman said, who in the world thought it was a brilliant idea to schedule these two teams Super Bowl rematch and a joint training camp practice? Who thought it was a good idea? Who thought who, who the, what, 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 Zach Taylor and, and Sean McVay? Boy, boy genius and, and, and diet Sean McVay. Really? I mean, the, uh, looking at it for what, you gotta laugh. I mean, you, you absolutely got, I mean, the only people, the only people that, 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 the only people that, that outside of Aaron Donald that look dumber in this sequence are the two head coaches. And and this not only falls for them, that goes for these joint practices in general. Okay? Newsflash NFL head coaches. I understand you guys are part of the, the coaching fraternity. I understand at one time or another you guys have either seen each other or worked for each other and or with each other. But I understand all that. I get that. But you know, these NFL head coaches have to have to put through have to get it through their heads. These players ain't training camp no less. Don't give a damn about, about your little kinship, about your little friendship, about your little brotherhood and the fact that you guys coached with each other for, for X amount of years. They're not interested in that. They could care less. This is either A, trying to get ready for, for the upcoming season, or B, trying to make sure that they have a job come September and they make the final 53. And from that, they, they, become, they, they, they get on the starting roster. Training camp that is all the players care about. If they're regular on the roster, a la Donald, a la Cup, Stafford, Burrow, Chase, uh, Jesse Bates, Awuze, Lyle Collins, all you're concerned about is getting ready for the 2022 regular season. You're the Rams. You're focused on getting ready for Buffalo. If you're the Bengals, you're 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 trying to get, you're focused and trying to get yourself ready. If you're a, if you're a regular player on that roster, uh, a, 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 a returning player on that roster, getting ready to play the Steelers come Week One. And if you're a play, and if you're a draft, if you're an undrafted free agent, a player off of somebody's practice squad or somebody got signed on the cheap and free agency, you're occupied and concerned with trying to make sure that by training camps end, you're still on a team and you have a job, that and that you make the final 53. That that is what the players care about. They don't care about about 
give, giving each other fair, giving each other fair looks. They don't care about about the buddy buddy kinship of the of the of the two of the two head coaches, the two coaching staff loving each other. They are not interested in that. The Ram players don't care, and the Bengals players don't care. So for Zach Taylor and for Sean McVay to be so clueless, to be so tone deaf, and to lack all all. Uh, 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 object of, of reality, common sense, and logic. Scheduling a joint practice between two super between two teams that fought to the death almost in the Super Bowl last year—not even last year, six months ago—is is is beyond beyond idiotic and stupid. It, it is mind-boggling how dumb that is. They could have preached. Both both coaches could have spoke to their respective teams and could have preached not to fight until they were until they were blue in the face. They could have took a sharpie and wrote it on their forehead and could have made them like you did back in school. I will not fight the Cincinnati Bengals or I will not fight the Los Angeles. They could have did that crap on a little white. They could have, they could have did that five hundred times in a row. Wrote it on their forehead. Had it plastered up. In the team hotel, had it blasted all over the locker room. It could have said until they were blue in the face. There was you if you thought that those two teams, back to back days, doing two days, weren't going to get into a little skirmish. At 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 best, if not a full fledged out brawl, you're not paying attention. You're not paying attention. That was a physical, gritty Super Bowl. And if you recall, the Bengals offensive line didn't take too kindly to when Donald shoved the ball out of bounds earlier in the second half. Because if you remember, after that happened, that's when their momentum and the tide began to change when the Rams actually said, oh, crap, we're in the Super Bowl. We got to wake up here and, and, and stop Cincinnati before we go down 0-2 in Super Bowls in the McVay era. If you remember, uh, Donald pushing Burrow out of bounds in the third quarter, it, may, it was either the third or early fourth quarter. I think it was the third. If you recall, that was one of the turning points in the game. Was that play? And the Bengals offensive line getting Donald's grits and getting all upset about it because they felt that he that he violently shoved the Burrow out of bounds when his momentum was already taking him out of bounds on a little quarterback scramble play. It was a tough, gritty, physical Super Bowl. Won a shootout. Oh, what was the final score? What? Uh, what was the final score of that game? I don't even remember. Uh, 23. What was it? 27-23, uh, something like that. I mean, it was. It was. A, it was a grit. It was a gritty corner. It was a. It was. A, it was a gritty Super Bowl. It was a gritty Super Bowl. And for it was twenty, it was twenty three twenty. It was a great Super Bowl. Came down to the final offensive drive for Cincinnati. And if Taylor and McVeigh were dumb enough to think that a that both teams gave a damn about the little kinship and friendship, that's one thing. And two thought that that they weren't gonna that they were gonna go two consecutive days back to back, and the sweat hot. Uh, exhausting, mentally taxing, heat and humidity of Cincinnati, Ohio in mid-August. I mean, come on, guys. You, you, McVeigh and Taylor, you're both smarter than that. 
There wasn't. There's not that many roster turnover between the two teams. Outside of a few members of the Bengals' offensive line, a few draft picks, throwing Hayden Hurst. It's the same team from six months ago. Down to the coaching staff. If you didn't expect a little fracas to happen, you weren't paying attention. Those two could have preached not not to fight, or as McVeigh put it to his team, don't do any dumb sugar honey iced tea until they were blue in the face. Two teams, little roster turnover, and a joint practice back to back six months after the Super Bowl, where the Bengals fan where the Bengals players had to endure and had to see the video of Donald with the stupid ring ring finger pointing celebration that makes me want to vomit with 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 seeing Cooper Cup with the touchdown catch to put them out in front against Eli Apple. The Eli Apple memes of him getting roasted on Twitter. The 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 the, the, the video clips of the Rams celebrating in their own home setting with the with the blue and yellow confetti rang down upon him with the Cincinnati Bengals sitting there on the sidelines heartbroken. Joe Burrow walking off the field head hung in shame losing it, they the, not not you guys forget it's not just the fans that stomach it, it's the players. So if you guys know that Bengals fans like yours surely still struggle and still haven't totally gotten over that that loss and losing Super Bowl the way that we did. If we haven't fully gotten over it and we're just fans, imagine how the players feel about it. That's their livelihood. That's their livelihood. That's their job. Them playing football professionally in the National Football League for the Cincinnati Bengals, that puts food on their table. Not only do they just compete for money, they compete for legacy. They want to be great. They want to have the title and getting the ring and the recognition of being a Super Bowl champion. They want the glitz and glamour and the glory that the Rams got. That they feel that they either A, let slip through the hands they gave to the Rams, or the Rams... Uh, uh, ferociously took from them. They feel a certain way. Of, if you know the fans do, you bet your bottom dollar the players feel feel the same way. If not, if not even more worse about it, because they were on the field when it happened. We're just fans. They lived it. They went through the film study. They went. They went. They sat through the meetings, the practices, the walkthroughs. I'm just a fan. So they're 3,000 miles away in 30 degrees. Wasn't it snowing outside watching a the game? They lived it. So if you know what the fans are bothered by it, you know the players were bothered, are still bothered by it. You, you, think, you think they liked saying, you know, like me. I uploaded that video of me flipping out in April, seeing Matthew Stafford with the AT&T commercial. They're just sitting there watching television. All of a sudden, the whatever show, whatever game they're watching goes to break. First thing they see on their TV, the commercial, first commercial cuts on, they see Matthew Stafford's face. You think they enjoyed seeing that? And I guarantee it. And this also allows me to, uh, to get into the Jesse Bates all out thing. And I tweeted it. 
it was either one or two things that brought Jesse back. Either seeing Dax Hill, the defensive back out of Michigan, ball out the way he's had all through training camp and throughout the preseason. It was either seeing him ball out and, and Jesse saying to himself, oh, you know, these guys have, are essentially fully prepared and ready to replace me. So I got to come back and show them that I'm still here and, and show them what I'm still capable of. Or two, he caught, he was reminded of what went down at SoFi six months ago when he heard that the Rams were coming to town for the joint practices. And I said in my tweet earlier this week, I have a feeling that it was the latter. That it was the Rams coming to town for the joint practice that woke Bates up and had Bates and had Bates and end his short end his holdout and have him come back. Cause I honestly didn't expect to see Jesse Bates again until the week before the Steelers game. I honestly think that if it wasn't for that joint practice against the Rams this week, Jesse Bates still be holding out. And Jesse Bates wants his money. And 65% of me is convinced that this might be his last season at Cincinnati Bengal. Because he knows he's probably not going to get his money that he wants from the organization. But even he is still bothered by it. And this holdout is about his financial security as a football player and as a person for the rest of his life. But even Jesse, in the midst of a holdout trying to get a new contract to give himself a better quality, give himself and his family a better quality of life, even he, th this is me guessing and this is me uh, speculating but I am feel confident to say without fear of contradiction even in the midst of all of this Jesse said wait we got a joint practice against the Rams this week all of a sudden money and personal gain and ego went all out the window and I Guarantee to you, Jesse's memory went back six months ago to what he felt and how he felt during that final drive when his defense gave up the go-ahead touchdown to Cooper Cup and the Rams. And that feeling of them being down in the dumps and just crushed and heartbroken losing the Super Bowl to the Rams. I guarantee you that went through his mind in the process of him coming back. I guarantee you. But if, again, if the NFL had any guts, they'd sit Aaron Donald's ass a good little while and not leave it to the Rams at this point himself, have him set out a series against the Bills in a couple of weeks. Take a break. Get to Major League Baseball, the I'm Telling Cotillas podcast.
Welcome back to the I'm Talking to Ideas podcast. We're switching gears now from football to baseball. Three teams I want to touch on as we head into the weekend. We'll do the Yank. We'll do the New York teams first, and then save my Orioles for last. Uh, well, we begin with the New York Yankees, who hit. Who you know around this time last week had hit an abutment and were uh, looked like they were free falling their way and possibly could could end up were in one time or another in a position where the American League Eastern Division title would be still up for grabs with a seven-game lead around uh, this time uh, late last week. Uh, you look at how they've played in the month of August. They lost two out of three against the Seattle Manors, including a uh, including an extra, including a um, including a uh, well, that's a Yankee State. I'm I'm looking at the wrong thing. Yeah, but yeah, they they did they lost. Well, technically, I'm right because they lost they lost a season series to Seattle, losing two out of three at Yankee Stadium, and then two out of three in Seattle the following week. They opened up August losing two out of three against the Seattle Mariners. They got swept by the St. Louis Cardinals in St. Louis. They lost two out of three out of Seattle, like I had already mentioned, in Seattle the following week, including a one nothing loss on Tuesday, uh, August 9th, where the Yankees ran in. To, to about nine million outs on the base pass, one of the worst, one of the worst base running uh, clinics you can ever put on. As a these are the Yankees. This is Major League Baseball. You know, first place New York, first place in the American League East, New York Yankees, and they're running in the outs left and right as as if they're little leaguers. I mean, there are teams in Williamsport right now that 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 can run the bases better than New York Yankees lose in an absolute pitcher's door they can't hit their way out of a paper bag, lose one nothing to Seattle on uh, August 9th. They lose the following day 4 to 3, lose 2 out of 3, so they so they have so they've yet to win a they've yet to win a series. Uh, as they head into Boston, lose 2 out of 3 to the Red Sox. The Red Sox who stink. Yeah, the Yankee fans, sky is falling, the sky is falling. They lose another series to Tampa, lose the first two, and win the third game to avoid a sweep thanks to a Josh Donaldson opposite field walk-off grand slam when Chapman <clears throat> once again imploded and vomited all over himself. Uh, and, then they and then they head into Toronto, excuse me, not Toronto, but the Toronto series, and lose a series to them, losing three out of four to them. And avoid and get and avoid the sweep. Thanks, to Andrew Benintendi hitting his first home run as a New York Yankee. They give them the 4-2 victory on Sunday afternoon. Then they head into the series again, a short two-game series against the Mets, and all is well in Yankee Land again, beating them back-to-back -back nights by the final score, 4-2, to, to win their for, to, for the for the short two-game sweep and their first uh, series win of the month of the month. Of August, so thus far the Yankees have gone one. They've gone one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and they have seven wins. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. They are seven and fourteen in the month of August. Make that eight and fourteen because they beat the Athletics thirteen to four. So they're eight and fourteen in the month of August. 
They have already lost the season series to the Manners. They lost the series on the road to the Red Sox. Got swept by the Cardinals. Lost two or three against Tampa, and lost three or four against the Toronto Blue Jays. And they had and they head back to the West Coast again for second time this month with a th- with a four game se- weekend series against the Oakland Athletics, who are a Double A baseball team. Uh, they beat the crap out of them, thirteen to four on Thursday night, and then they go ahead and they and they head south down to Anaheim to play the Angels, head back east to play the Rays, and then begin a homestand beginning September fifth through eleventh against the four against the Twins and three against the Tampa against Tampa Bay Rays, and a uh, and a manageable September schedule where they play Tampa, Minnesota, Tampa twice. Minnesota, the Red Sox, the Red Sox twice in Fenway, and then a series the 22nd through the 25th at Yankee Stadium. The Blue Jays, and then the final day in September, they play the Orioles for the final time this season. And they also get a layup and playing the Pirates twice on uh, on the 20th and 21st. And they also got the Milwaukee Brewers in Milwaukee the 16th through the 18th. Of uh, of September, but if you're the Yankees, you have and they and they, and they get the gift of all time finishing up against Texas and Arlington uh, in uh, in early October. But if you're the Yankees, your goal is to essentially, by the time you play Tampa September second, your goal is to have a four, five, six, seven, eight, nine game winning streak come next Friday. Come next Friday, September second, the Yankees should be on a nine-game winning streak. Anything less than, realistically speaking, anything less than that is, is, is from a Yankee fan perspective. If I was a Yankee fan, for Yankee fans out there, listen, it should be unacceptable. There should be no reason why the Yankees should lose a game to the Athletics in and of itself, and should lose a game at all throughout this road trip. They they should go. They should go. The other uh, one, uh, the road trip. I should I should check that the, the what this their California trip. If they lose a couple of t- if they lose a game or two to Tampa, that's one thing. But they they should by the time they leave the state of California to fly back eastward, they should be they should be they should be uh seven they should be seven up and zero down. Seven up, zero down. Sweep the A's, sweep the Angels. How you doing? Keep it moving. We'll see you. We'll see you, uh, Rays, at the Trop next weekend. Anything less than that, failure. A's are a, uh, the A's are an unwatchable disaster of an organization, double-A baseball team, and the Angels have been in the abyss for the, for the majority of the season with Artie Moreno looking to sell. And thank God, because he's been an absolutely god-awful owner. And now maybe the Angels might, might actually have some luck and winning with oh, Trout and Otani on the roster remains to be seen, but that's what the Yankees saying. They got to take advantage of this of this soft softball schedule. And don't get me wrong, beating the if they go on if the Yankees go on a on a on a nice nine game winning streak by the time they play Tampa next weekend, it does mean a damn thing. The the Yankees going on a winning streak and going nine and, and going on a nine game winning streak heading into Tampa next week, or whatever. That doesn't mean anything as far as the Yankees being the best team in the American League or being better than Houston, the team beating the American League. That doesn't mean a damn thing. But what it does mean is it's good for the psyche and the psychology for 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 the team. For Boone, for the players, for the locker room. It's good for the Yankee 
clubhouse environment and for the players mentally if they go out there, have the ego stroked a little bit, play good, play good, capable baseball, and go nine and zero in California, or go on a nine zero win, or go on a nine game winning streak as they head into Tampa and go seven and and go seven and zero in the California trip. It would be good for their psyche, not necessarily for their chance of getting the one seed per se, but good for their psyche. It doesn't mean them going doesn't mean anything to me, because they because the way how you judge the Yankees you don't judge the Yankees and how good they are going up against the A's and the Angels, playing games at a quarter to midnight when 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 the East Coast is in bed. No 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 no. You you judge the Yankees on how they played Seattle, on how they played St. Louis, on how they played Tampa, and how they played the Blue Jays. And how they and how they have play, and how they played the Astros this season. That's what you judge the Yankees on. But having said all of that, they still need to win these games for the psyche and the momentum and for the egos of the players within that locker room. Because again, thus far at this moment in time, they are eight and fourteen in the month of August. And they went one, two, three. Four, five, six series into the month, winless. Six series in a row they lost prior to the uh, until the Mets series. So that's item number one. And they need to learn how to run the bases, and and uh, and they need to know how to hit. Again, they are way, 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 way too dependent on the long ball and hit the ball out of the, out of the ballpark. When he can't hit home runs, again, hit the ball out of the ballpark. Their offense go. Their offense is in the toilet. In the toilet. And why Aaron Hicks is still on the roster, I will never, ever, ever understand. And you think the Yankees Bader is still in a walking boot? You think the Yankees miss Jordan Montgomery? Who Cashman? I understand he's not Garrett Cole and he's not uh, and he's not uh, uh, Don Larson. But come on, I understand. Whitey Ford, uh, Whitey Ford, uh, Mike Mussina, He is not. But come on. Now you're going to have Nestor Cortez on a shelf for 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 a good for for a little while for a good bit. You sure wish to have Jordan Montgomery still on your baseball team and your starting rotation. Instead, he's kicking ass and taking names as a member of the St. Louis Cardinals. As for the Mets, the Mets have a very easy schedule. Uh, they have a very easy schedule to round out the rest of the, the round out the rest of the season. They got the outside of the fact that they got to play the Dodgers. They host the Dodgers the thirtieth through the first of the month of September. They have the Rockies this weekend. The Nationals next weekend on the road to play the Pirates, the Marlins, the Cubs, the Pirates again, the Brewers, which will be a little bit of which will be a little bit of a challenge, the A's, the Marlins, and then they go to Atlanta to play the Braves in uh, in early October, and they end the season with the Nationals. So outside of the final weekend series of the year on the road in Atlanta, outside of that series. A three-game series in Milwaukee to play the Brewers August 19th through the 21st. 
and a series coming up this weekend in Queens, the 30th through the 1st, coming up next week. It is smooth sailing for the Mets the rest of the way. Once one midweek series against the Dodgers at home and two series on the road against the Brewers who can pitch uh, and the Mets is all and the, and the Mets at times their offense goes into dry spells and they can't hit them and they hit the hand they're not overly dependent on the ball like the Yankees are but they have their moments where their bats go uh, where their bats go silent and they can't hit their way out of the paper bag either but they got a series against the Brewers. And uh, the 19th through the 21st of September, final weekend series of the year, uh, Friday, September 30th through October 2nd uh, in Atlanta against the Braves, which will mean a whole hell of a lot. And this and uh, next Tuesday through Thursday against the Dodgers at home. Outside of that, you got the garbage of the Rockies, the Marlins, the Pirates, the Nationals, the Cubs, and the A's. Oh boy, what a time it must be to be a Met fan. And this is coming off of they got swept in a two-game series against the Yankees, like I aforementioned, uh, but a final score of forty-two in both games. And they had taken a and they had taken a, a four-game series from the Phillies by the, uh, taking a four-game weekend series from the Phillies, including a gritty, grind them out ball game. Uh, Mark Canna uh, with a huge home run in the ninth inning. Uh, to off of uh, off of off of uh, David Robinson and company of the Philly bullpen, beating the Philly beating the Phillies in an up and down topsy turvy ten nine game on Sunday. They played the Braves, lost uh, three or four against them the fifteenth through the eighteenth. They get one more crack at Atlanta, and then if you know at the final weekend of the season or early October. So they've uh, they've played they, they, you know the, the series against Atlanta looks bad, but uh, the series against Atlanta looks bad, you know in a, in a, you know that one, the outside of that one series and a little two game uh, trip in New York, the Mets have a pretty have had a pretty solid August. Took two or three from the Nationals, won one, two, three, four out of five against the Braves, swept the Reds. Two or three from the Phillies at City Field. Took a four of took a three or four from the Phillies last weekend, and that's it. One series, one four game series that that you uh, that 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 you're not proud of against the Braves, and then the Yankees getting even in the Subway Series. Outside of that, you've had a damn good August with the Rockies and the Dodgers soon to follow in Queens. And then finally, last but certainly not least, my Baltimore Orioles. And by by the way, my I might as well give this uh, the the Bray at the Mets at this moment in time heading into Friday's action, two game lead above the Atlanta Braves, who play the St. Louis Cardinals this weekend in St. Louis. So keep an eye out on that. Two game lead. Two game lead over the Braves. Two. Eighty and forty six to seventy eight and forty eight. Mets have gone five and five in the last ten. Atlanta has won three in a row and eight of ten. But last and certainly not least, how about my Baltimore Orioles? 
Royals magic, ladies and gentlemen. Let's hope me not saying this jinxes it. And they go, go every single time I come up, on, I come out on this show and sing the praises of the Orioles. They do nothing but disappoint me and look like an idiot, and they fall flat on their faces. They can't hit, giving up runs all over the place. So hopefully, after I uh, sing their praise, that they don't go out there and get perfect gamed by Justin Verlander on Sunday and get swept in three games and are non-competitive. But boy, I tell you, Orioles magic alive and well. They have, ladies and gentlemen, they have, I don't know if you guys have known this, but they have clinched their third straight winning month for the first time since 2016. The last year, the Orioles were in the playoffs. They had a, they had a winning June. They had a winning July. They have now had a winning August. They have won every series this month except for one when they went to Tampa. They've won it. They began the month on a five-game winning streak after they traded Trey Mancini, who they will see tonight down in Houston. They swept the season series from the Rangers, two to two or three from the Pirates. Two of th- uh, they they took uh, they took two out of three, with the third game being rained out on August the tenth against the Blue Jays in Baltimore. They lost a makeup game to the Red Sox and a makeup game to the Cubs, but outside of that. Outside of those two bad losses and losing us and being uncompetitive and borderline unwatchable that Saturday and Sunday, the 13th and the 14th in Tampa against Tampa, where they couldn't hit the way of a paper bag and they were and they were perfect game through eight innings against against the Rays. They took they they got off the deck, went up north, took two or three from Toronto, took two or three against took two or three against Boston and had a and had a th- and had a three run bottom of the eighth inning up in Williamsport on Sunday night thanks to the likes of Jorge Mateo with a bases clearing uh three three run double to get, put the Orioles out in front after uh after the game had gotten tired at the top of the eighth inning they went out two they went out in front two nothing on a on a couple of singles Red Sox fought back to make it 2-1. It stayed 2-1 from innings uh, from innings uh, bottom of the second up to the top of the eighth. Game is tied. Bullpen does the job. Cena Perez, uh, Felix Bautista, who's done a phenomenal job all season long. And then they load up the bases. The Red Sox bullpen's been atrocious all year. Raiders ugly yet again. Sets the stage for Jorge Mateo to rip the ball down the left field line. The bases clearing double to put the Orioles out in front 5-3. to three. Or, or excuse me, five to two at the time, and they end up winning the game by the final score five to three, and a much needed series victory against the Red Sox. And then against the White Sox, a few days they a few days ago they have a day off Monday, come back home to Baltimore, and they and they beat the Red Sox five to three. Albeit the White Sox making it interesting, scoring a run in the scoring a run in the seventh inning, and and uh, Felix Bautista getting getting a little. Uh, Getting a little uh, uh, wild uh, in his and uh, his outing on Tuesday night, but to get the job done off of Dylan Cease, believe it or not, nevertheless beating beating the White Sox, beating the White Sox five to three, albeit in that game getting out hit by the uh, by the by the score of eleven to five and beating the White Sox five to three. And then Wednesday night they don't sh- they don't show up. They allow Lucas Giolito look like his 2020 self. Can't hit their way out of the paper bag with a uh, with a Austin Hayes meaningless uh, window dressing two run home run. Notwithstanding, they don't show up in the middle game. And then the Orioles having and, and then the Orioles 
final game of their one, two, three, four, five, six game homestand. Not telling the women, I know they were the designated home team, but six game homestand with a road trip in Houston, in Cleveland coming up. Houston, who's the best team in the American League, and Cleveland, a team who the Orioles are, are chasing and trying to keep pace with in the American League wildcard chase coming up before they come back home to Baltimore for a nice, lengthy, juicy homestand against the A's, Blue Jays, and, and, and Red Sox in early September. A short but, a short but important six-game road trip ahead of them. And what do they and what do they do? Anthony Santander responds off the leadoff home run in the for the White Sox in the top of the first inning. He responds in the bottom of the second two-run home run. The the uh, White Sox get a run in the seventh to tie it. A run in the eighth to win, a run in the eighth to uh, to take the to take the lead on an RBI single. They tie the game on a uh, tie the game on an error. And lo and behold, in the bottom of the ninth. They got two strikes against the. I literally, ladies and gentlemen, had my iPad in hand, painting a picture for you. Had my iPad in hand, about to go scorch earth and about to tweet my angry head off at the fact that the, at the, at the fact that this team's offense went went went, 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 went fell into another dry spell. They can't hit. They can't get runners on base. They're having piss poor at bats. Whole nine yards. We we're screwed. We have no chance against against Houston this weekend. And that starting rotation, blah 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 blah. And lo and behold, and lo and behold. When and lo and behold, Kyle Stowers, a player who us Oriole fans were kicking and screaming, chomping at the bit, saying, "Where's Kyle Stowers? Where's Kyle Stowers? This offense is shot. This offense, this offense needs needs a uh, needs a uh, need, needs a, needs a little bit of a needs a little bit of a an emotional boost. We can't hit. Yeah, blah 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 blah. Sombreros to the sky when they finally called them up." Last Friday, uh, heading into the heading into the uh, Red Sox series, has yet to hit a major league home run. Young rookie, right, uh, left-handed hitter, comes up to the plate, and this is after first pitch swinging. They had, again the Orioles last night. They're up until the Kyle Stowers up really yeah up until that Kyle Stowers ninth inning. They had bats for the for the Orioles in that game on on Thursday night. Were downright deplorable. First pitch swinging all over the place, not working the count, swinging the pitches down the dirt, piss poor batter's eye and piss poor uh, 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 discernment at the plate. Kyle Stowers first pitch swings, pop up to the left field uh, to to the uh, to the uh, left field foul territory. Here comes Adam Engel, who somehow someway overruns a foul ball that I could have caught, overruns it, allows the ball to pop out of his glove, drops it. To allow the Orioles a second chance, and so, and in the back of my mind, I in the back of my mind, a thought came into my head. You know, it would be something if that if that drop foul ball actually comes back to bite the White Sox in the ass. We actually get a chance to tie, and we actually get a chance to do something with this. We ended up tying tying Andor Andor winning this game, and lo and behold, down 0-2 in the count. Breaking ball over the heart of the plate, Kyle Stowers fly ball to center field, game tying home run down to the final strike, final out, and the Orioles end up tying the game at three to four extra innings for Kyle Stowers' first career 
major league home run. I mean, you can not make this stuff up. You cannot make it up. Anytime you think this team is, any single time you think this team is on the ropes, they're down for the count. They have no shot. They have no chance. Cute story, but but the but the but the boomers off the rose. The fairy tale ride's about to come to an end. The clock's about to strike midnight, and just as soon as that thought enters to your head, and you're able to concede. Concede to reality. All of a sudden, it's here I come to save the day. And the unlikeliest of heroes, whether whether it be Adley Rutschman, whether it be Rugnet Odor, or on Thursday night, Kyle Stowers, they somehow Jorge Mateo, somehow, some way, they find a way to win these baseball games. Somehow, some way, they find a way to do it. Kyle Stowers' first career Major League home run ties the game. In what universe and what Orioles season does that happen in except for this one? Un-frickin'-believable. White Sox can't advance the runner can't cannot advance the runner on second base in the tenth of the eleventh inning. They advanced Cedric Mullins on a Adley Rutschman single to third base was the automatic runner on second because made it last out in the tenth. Scores easily on Anthony Santander walk off single. Orioles not only win the game, avoid losing a a, a series that they were in afford to lose against the White Sox. Win the season series against the White Sox. Take that series against the White Sox and head into Houston against their old pal Trey Mancini, and and it, with a with a good state of mind and a confidence booster against a short but vital and important six game road trip against Houston and against Cleveland. By the time they come back home next weekend uh, to host the again unwatchable. And uh, inferior Oakland A's. But my goodness gracious, my Baltimore Orioles. Whenever you think they have no shot, they're dead in the water, they stink. Cute story, but this is all she wrote. And all of a sudden, before you, th- but right as soon as you're about to, as soon as you're about to write them off, and you, the coup, and you think the coup de grace is going to come, and the other shoe's about to drop, they always somehow, some way, find a way. Unbelievable. This team is currently sixty. And 65 and 59 heading into this weekend series against the Astros. A, a, A handful of games behind the second place Tampa Bay Rays in the American League East. And two and a half games behind Seattle for the sixth seed in the third and final wild card spot in the American League. And four games behind Tampa Bay. For the fourth seed and the first wild card spot in the American League playoff picture. 
They need a winning streak in the worst way imaginable. But the fact they're still able to keep pace and they haven't faded in this marathon of a race yet as a promising sign for things to come. We take a break. Hopefully they can hit against the Astros this weekend. One can only hope. Take a break. We'll wrap up the show. The Arms Delicate Like a TIS podcast continues. Welcome back to the Amatelica TAS podcast. We will round the show out with a couple of uh, things that have occurred over the last uh, few weeks that I want to give my two cents on before we say goodbye. Uh, first off, rest in peace, Vin Scully, Bill Russell, Len Dawson. Len Dawson, we'll do Scully first because he was the first one to go. Obviously, if you're a baseball if you're a baseball fan, and if you have any idea and any historical reference to or of uh, of the of uh, the greatest uh, sportscasters, play-by-play men of all time, you obviously know who Vince Scully is. Long-time play-by-play announcer, TV and radio uh, for the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, for for over sixty years. Started in their la- in their later years. As the uh, as the protege of Red Barber when they were in Brooklyn, and uh, kind of introduced Southern California and the city of Los Angeles and helped grow the game of baseball in that in that area with the uh, with the Dodgers uh, from in 19, when they got there in 1958 and all throughout the uh, si- all throughout the 60s up until his retirement. Up until his retirement, about five about five six years ago or so, um, he's got many a he's got many a great calls, not just with the Dodgers, but with the sport of baseball, uh, with the sport of baseball as a whole. You know, you can the behind the the behind the bag uh, play with uh, Bill Buckner's era, uh, game losing era in Game uh, Six of the nineteen eighty six World Series. Mookie Wilson down the first base bag gets through Buckner's legs. Here comes Ray Knight, uh, around third, uh, from second, around third base to score to score the game-winning run to walk off the Red Sox and to tie the series at three-game apiece to force a game to force a game seven. And that classic '86 series, and that entire night, and that was all, by the way, done with two outs. That was a two-out rally uh, for the Mets '86 series. Uh, an absolute broadcasting masterclass. That entire bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, put on by Scully, of course. Who can forget he and Jack Buck's call? He, of course, uh, Jack Buck did the game. CBS Radio nationally, Vince Scully, who also not just did the Dodgers on TV and radio, but also 
uh, was the uh, was the uh, MC was the uh, number one A list guy for NBC for their uh, for their MLB game of the week on NBC back in the day. Those of you old enough can remember that. And he, of course, was the main was uh, option A uh, behind the microphone uh, for NBC for their playoff and World Series games. And he, who can of course forget uh, his uh, his. Uh, Deep drive the right field. She is gone. Call of a uh, Kirk Gibson's dramatic pinch it, uh, pinch it walk off home run in Game One of the '88 series against uh, Dennis Eckersley in the in the Oakland A's. And he, you know, he's got many. He's got many a great, great calls, of great moments, and then of course his. Uh, his uh his big the last football the last uh football game that Vince Scully ever did was uh was the catch uh, was the catch Dwight Clark the uh game winning touchdown catch uh from uh Joe Montana to Dwight Clark in the 81 NFC Championship game against Dallas he did that game of course with the late uh with the late John I believe he did that game with with the late John Madden if I'm not mistaken, CBS did the Super Bowl a few weeks later, Super Bowl 16 with San Francisco against um, against my uh, Cincinnati Bengals 40 years ago in 81. Uh, you know, the Clark caught it, you know, that call. So he's got that as well, not to mention the, sto- the, the, the storytelling and the way that Vin was able to capture a moment with a, with an eloquent, well thought out, well spoken. Uh, 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 he he was a uh, he was a verbal poet behind the behind when he wasn't calling the games to give you the big time theatrical dramatic calls of a game. It was the it was the ebb and flows of the game. Well, you know, in in the moments of of the of the high drama or when the or when he let the game and let the moment breathe for himself after a minute, two minutes, he says nothing, he comes on to the microphone. That, you know, he he was he Vince Scully was great at that. He was a he was a verbal poet. He always knew he always knew how to capture a big time moment. He always knew how to capture a big time a moment of a game. He always knew just what to say behind a microphone, whether it was telling a uh, telling a fascinating story throughout the uh, you know through the doldrums and through the dull low point periods of a game, or even knowing what to say and again how to capture a big time moment when when the when the drama of a baseball game is that it's uh, is at its all time high. We say rest in peace to Vin Scully. Uh, who passed? Who passed away recently as well? And of course, Bill Russell, the great uh, Boston Celtic, uh, 11, 11, t- uh, eleven time champion uh, with the Boston with the Boston Celtics, one of the obviously top five, top five, top ten and greatest uh, players of all time. And and, and, and he, along the lines of a Bird, the two greatest Celtic players. Of all time with those Celtics dynasties in the uh, in the fifties and sixties, played from nineteen fifty six to nineteen sixty nine only with the Boston Celtics and was the coach of the Celtics sixty six uh, through sixty nine as a player coach as well, uh, eleven time champion as a coach nineteen fifty seven fifty nine and sixty six. 68 and 69 back to back with the Celtics 11 time champion, five time MVP, three time All NBA first team, All defensive first team in 69, 
let, was a rebounding champion four times, uh, was named to the 25th, 35th, 50th, and 75th NBA anniversary team, uh, was a two-time champion, by the way, uh, with uh, at the University of San Francisco uh, in 1955 and 1966, the NCAA tournament's most outstanding player in 1955 uh, as well. Uh, averaged 15 points a game, 22 and a half rebounds, four assists, uh, and of course was inducted into the uh, into the uh, basketball Hall of Fame as a player and as a uh, as a coach. And he also was basketball teammates, was high school basketball teammates with the late Frank Robinson who of course the great player for the Reds and the Orioles uh back in back in the uh, 60s and 70s uh as well was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom one of the greatest American athletes to ever walk the fa- to walk the, to ever walk the uh the face of the earth 6 foot standing at 6 foot 10 with a seven, with a 7 foot 4 wingspan uh, won a gold medal for the U.S. national team in the 56 Olympics. I mean, one of the greatest basketball players of all time passed away on a July 31st at the age of uh, at the age of uh, at the age of 88 years old. Uh, I believe I think I touched on him the last time me and you me last time me and you uh, chatted. If I didn't. I will. I touched on him uh, just then. Therefore, and then, uh, and then, the more recent one, Len Dawson, the great quarterback for the Dallas Texans slash Kansas City Chiefs, back in the '60s, died at the age of 87. Uh, on uh, at the age of 87 on Wednesday, out of Purdue, was a first round draft pick, uh, fifth pick with the Pittsburgh Steelers in 1957. Played for them for a short period, 57 through 59. The Cleveland Browns as well for a few seasons in 60 and 61. Then got drafted in the uh, and then got drafted in the American Football League uh, by the Dallas Texans, who, who reunited with Hank Stram, who was his coach at Purdue. Uh, led the league in touchdowns in 62 and yards per attempt and was the AFL MVP. Led Dallas to first of their three league titles. Uh, their first of the three league titles, of course, uh, and uh, and participated on those on those uh, chief teams that participated uh, that participated in Super Bowl one and one Super Bowl four uh, against against the Vikings. Was uh, made it to the Pro Bowl one time in 1971. Led the NFL in completion percentage in 1975. Three-time AFL champion in 62. Of course, 66 and 69. And Super Bowl appearances for the Chiefs in those two seasons. Uh, AFL MVP in 62, as I mentioned. Won the AFL championship MVP in 19 uh, in 1969. Two-time first-team All-AFL in 62 and 66. Uh, led the AFL in passing touchdowns in 62 and 63 back-to-back and 66 and 67 back-to-back. Uh, and, of course, inducted into the Pro uh, Football Hall of Fame. Rest in peace, Len Dawson, who holds. Now, it, now it will be broken, uh, of course, with uh, with Patrick Mahomes sitting there, of course, 
uh, the greatest uh, the greatest uh, quarterback the Chiefs have had since Len Dawson, uh, but he as of as of the time of his death. Uh, holds the Chiefs franchise records for passing yards, passing touchdowns, and wins that will soon, of course, be broken by Patrick Mahomes in due time. But at the time of his retirement, he was the Chiefs uh, record holder of passing yards, touchdowns, and wins, of course, and held the single and hold and held the franchise record for single season passing yards, touchdowns from 1964 to 2018, when Mahomes broke it and was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. In 1987, uh, so rest in peace, Vince Scully, who who made a tremendous impact in the NFL, or excuse me, in Major League Baseball. Bill Russell in the NBA, Len Dawson in the NFL, and of course all those years uh, with Len Dawson inside uh, the NFL uh, as well in their early years in uh, on HBO, and then uh, Serena Williams announcing her retirement. She'll be, I believe, 42 uh, years of age come mid-September, uh, saying in a uh, in a in a piece with uh, with uh, Va- I believe it was Vanity Fair magazine they, they uh, that she announced uh, that she announced that she realizes that retirement is right down is right down the uh, the turnpike, and it sounds like that the U.S. Open t- that this upcoming. Uh, you that this uh, and it was Vogue, not a Vanity Fair. Vogue magazine announced her plans to evolve away from tennis uh, after the U.S. Open and getting her retirement. Uh, with the U.S. Open beginning her final uh, major championship and her final U.S. Open coming up, uh, coming up on um, um, starting up on Monday in Queens. Uh, entered she was in the Cincinnati Masters. And lost to the 2021 U.S. Open champion Ampian Rakadu Sanao, however the hell you pronounce her name, uh, in the first round. As she looks like she as she is trying to uh, do the you know one more shot at glory for Serena and trying to win it and trying to win one last championship here in the 2022 uh, U.S. Open has not won a major. Since the two th- has not won a major since two thousand since the two thousand seventeen Australian Open, she'll see if she can break that uh, five year drought and uh, break that five year drought and uh, go out on top of champion at the twenty twenty two U.S. Uh, Open. She'll be forty one. Uh, she'll be for- she'll be forty one a month from today on on uh, September the twenty sixth. Well, she or she has one more shot at glory at age forty, uh, and looks like we'll be and we'll see if she'll be able to tie, do the impossible. I don't think she'll be uh, she'll she'll have. I don't think she has much of a chance. I think she'll either be a first round, if not second round exit, and watch Serena make it all the way to the final round like uh, Coach K, <laughs> make it all the way, make it all the way to the fi- to the final to the finals, and then get knocked out uh, <laughs> in the end. But uh, she's won 23 Grand Slam singles titles, most of any player in the Open era, second behind, behind and second most all time behind Margaret Court. We'll see if she can tie Margaret Court uh, coming up in the U.S. Open in just a few days' time. Uh, speaking of New York, uh, Kevin Durant and the, and the Brooklyn Nets cooler heads have prevailed. 
you know, you heard uh, Kevin Durant, and we discussed this when it happened back in late July. Kevin Durant kicking and screaming, uh, kicking and screaming, wanting to, uh, wanting to, uh, wanting to trade and wanting to go somewhere else. Uh, you know, with uh, with and and leaving the Brooklyn Nets organization out to dry. Thank God, either somebody told him or Kevin Durant read the room and said, "Listen, you know, I cannot sit up here and kick and scream, want my way out for the Brooklyn Nets when they've broken their back and moved heaven and earth to satisfy me." And you know, I I I'm I'm the one that chose to be here. I signed a contract. I got to uh, I got to live up to it. Uh, and uh, and so it looks like that common sense will prevail with the Kevin Durant of uh, with the Kevin Durant fiasco, and it looks like he will stay put at least for the 2022 and 23 season. And of course, you got Big Ten deals. Uh, you got Big Ten deals with uh, with uh, with the Big Ten football with CBS, Fox, and NBC. CBS and and ESPN essentially do a switcheroo. ESPN in a few years time will be out of the will be out of Big Ten uh, will be out of Big Ten football and will give their uh, and will give it to uh, and will give the CBS. CBS will give their three thirty SEC on CBS. Spot the ESPN. They'll still keep the 330 spot, but you know what I mean. They will give the rights to ESPN, and they, in turn, will get the Big Ten rights. Fox, of course, will maintain the uh, the Big Ten. They, of course, will maintain their Big Ten rights. NBC will also, on top of having uh, Notre Dame football, they also will, will have Big Ten football on the side as well, and CBS will go from the SEC, you know, teams in the South to the teams of the Midwest and the northern part of the United States, which will be weird. You know, it'll be weird hearing that music up against, you know, Michigan and Michigan State. You know, you know, it'll be weird seeing. It'll be weird seeing that, seeing uh, if Gary, if uh, Gary D and, and Brad Nessler will make, you know, making trips to uh, to uh, Columbus, Ohio, Ann Arbor, Michigan, East Lansing. College Park. Uh, uh, um, let me give you another one. Uh, uh, Iowa with the hawk with the Hawkeyes, Nebraska, uh, Madison was. It'll be weird, you know, all those years seeing them uh, bounce around the uh, the the uh, the hot and muggy Saturday afternoons in September and October, and the cool and crisp uh, ones in November, uh, and the likes of Tuscaloosa and Auburn and Athens and Baton Rouge and uh, and, and Gainesville. It's, it'll, be, it'll be weird. They still got. I they I believe this is their second to le- this. I I think they this is their second to last season uh, doing the SEC doing SEC college football. CBS is for that matter. Uh, I believe this is their second to last year doing it. Uh, is it their second to last, or is it its last? Always get it confused. It might. It might be their last. Let me see. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, beginning in 2024, we Beginning in 2023. Okay, so yeah, twenty twenty three will replace the Big Ten twenty beginning in twenty twenty seven Big Ten games twenty twenty three. 
It should be scheduled around. Okay, so here's what it is. Their, this will be their final exclusive season doing SEC football. But in 2023, CBS will have seven Big Ten games in 2023 scheduled around its final season of SEC coverage. So next season, it will be their final season for not, you know for, for, the, for the foreseeable future. It'll be their final season doing SEC football games next year. 2023, final year doing SEC football games next year. And they'll also have seven Big Ten games around whatever that schedule of 2023 shall include. They'll have seven Big Ten games scheduled around their uh, their final trips to Baton Rouge and, and and Auburn and Tuscaloosa and Athens and things and uh, and city and those college college station and those college towns of that nature, and their first year exclusively doing Big Ten football will be in 2024. They will share. They will do Big Ten and SEC in 2023. 2024 will be the first year doing exclusively Big Ten. 2022 is the last year they'll do exclusively uh, SEC. 2023, they will do the seven Big Ten and then let the chips fall what they may with the final season of SEC. And they will, and it will be the 3:30 window beginning in the 2024 uh, season. And they will uh, have the Big Ten that they will have the Big Ten championship game in 2024 and in 2028 with of course years in between going to Fox and uh and NB and uh, NBC the seven year deal to broadcast Big Ten football and basketball beginning in the 2023 season so that's where you stand with Big Ten football that's where you stand with Kevin Durant. Good thing that he stayed. You signed a contract. You know you and you and Kyrie you, you, with the load management. You know you sign a contract. You gotta you gotta stick to the contract. You don't want to play and live throughout your contract, Kevin. So he stays put uh, for the good for the good of the NBA and for the good of him. He stays put. And boy, is he real hit and his perception in public eye. Uh, you know, has has really faltered. He wanted he 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 left he left Steph Curry to go hitch his wagon to Kyrie Irving, and when and temporarily wanted out, and then of course joining Golden State. Of course, down three one. We've been through that a thousand times, but uh, but uh, but he stays put. Serena announcing her retirement as we head into the U.S. Open beginning, on beginning uh, early this upcoming week, and rest in peace, Vince Scully. Uh, Bill Russell and Lynn Dawson. Busy show, but had a lot to talk about. If you're new to the program and like what you heard, please do not hesitate to subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. The show on Instagram at Amatel underscore podcast and the show on Twitter at Amatel underscore Italias. I will talk to you guys next week. A lot of NFL stuff to talk about and Major League Baseball as the pennant chase. Is just begin is just heating up. It's your boy Josh Shields. Have a safe weekend. Y'all take care.